Our reading this morning is from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, I couldn't talk to you like spiritual people, but like unspiritual people, like babes in Christ. I gave you milk to drink instead of solid food because you weren't up to it yet. Now you are still not up to it because you are still unspiritual. When jealousy and fighting exist between you, aren't you unspiritual and living by human standards? When someone says, I belong to Paul, and someone else says, I belong to Apollos, aren't you acting like people without the spirit? After all, what is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants who helped you to believe. Each one had a role given to them by the Lord. I planted, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. Because of this, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but the only one who is anything is God, who makes it grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together but each one will receive their own reward for their own labor. We are God's co-workers, and you are God's field, God's building. Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you for bringing us into this place of worship, for speaking to us in the silence, for speaking to us in the faces of those seated around us, for speaking to us in the music in the, and in your holy scriptures. God, we pray that this sermon that you've given me, that it might not be my words, but that it might be you speaking to all of us. Overshadow me, Holy Spirit. Speak to us such that our hearts might be touched and our lives transformed in the name of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. It's really hard to grow up. Amen, sister. <laughs> now, I'm going to be 40 this year, and it has not been that long ago, though, that I can still remember my childhood and my adolescence. And I remember it being really hard, if not actually awful, at some times. Now, my family loved me. My mom and my stepfather are here. <laughs> my family loved me. They provided for me. I had a really good home life. But it's just that going from immaturity to maturity is a nonlinear, circuitous, frustrating, messy process. I think it was before the onslaught of puberty hormones. Maybe I was nine. I recall my grandmother bought me the wrong kind of Cheerios. <laughs> and instead of me rationally saying to her, Granny, you bought me the wrong kind of cereal, I started crying and threw the box of Cheerios across the room. It didn't end well. <laughs> but before this maze of crazy 
that is puberty and adolescence. We are also, all of us, little babies. We are all born with a few instincts to help us to survive. And one of those instincts is to suckle. Without that instinct, we would die. Our tiny bodies are developed only well enough to drink and digest milk. Now, as we have our feedings and that milk helps our bodies to develop, we grow not only the teeth needed to chew solid food, but also the inside capability in our stomachs and our intestine. But if you've ever watched a little baby try to learn how to feed him or herself, you know that this learning process can be messy and frustrating for everybody involved. Going from immaturity to maturity is a nonlinear, circuitous, frustrating, messy process. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in full awareness of this reality. And judging from his words, I think, was, I think that he was more than a little bit frustrated with them. At the beginning of this letter, Paul informs them that he has received updates about their behavior toward one another. The church is fighting among themselves about who they belong to. Their fight is something like if we were to have that same fight here in Decatur first, someone might say, this is Dalton's church. Somebody else might say, no, it's David Jones's church. And some of you might even say, no, it's Dr. Nagley's church. For those of you who are relatively new to Decatur First, like me, David and Dr. Nagley were our two previous pastors. The reality is that it is God's church, and all of us are God's followers, not the pastor's followers. Paul uses strong words to say that there is but one Christ, and we belong to him. Even more than that, he says, it was Christ who was crucified for us, not Paul. Go ahead a couple of chapters in chapter 3, and Paul returns to this argument and says that it is evidence that the Corinthians have missed the point and that they are not spiritual people. In fact, they're like babies, only able to drink milk and not really ready for solid food. He calls them immature. That they are fighting and arguing, that they are in turmoil about who they belong to, shows their level of spiritual immaturity. Paul says, when jealousy and fighting exist between you, aren't you unspiritual and living by human standards? Before I discuss what Paul means here, let me first say what he doesn't mean. Conflict and disagreement can exist among mature Jesus followers. I'll say that again. Conflict and disagreement can exist among mature Jesus followers. Because we're not all going to get along or agree all of the time, and that's okay. The problem can be found in why there's conflict and what we end up disagreeing about. Paul means that it is unspiritual or unchristlike 
to have our motivations based in the ways of the world, to have our motivations based in a paradigm that centers what I want over what everyone else wants or needs, or a paradigm that creates greater status for some while subjugating others. And if we're taking a position for something simply to exercise our power over another or just to get our own way, that is not okay. It is not based in an understanding of who Jesus is. As it says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, I'm paraphrasing. Though Jesus was in the form of God, he did, not consider it, he, he did not consider being equal with God something to exploit. But he emptied himself. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus had all power. And instead of using it for his well-being, he used it for ours. Our call is to become mature, to become perfect, to become complete in our faith, such that we center the love of Christ in everything that we do. However, going from immaturity to maturity is a nonlinear, circuitous, frustrating, messy process. We will not get it right at first. And even if we do get it right, we may not consistently get it right. As Dalton and Janice have said recently in their sermons these past couple of weeks, God fully expects for us to mess up and to not get it right. Our call to perfection is not about being flawless. We're humans, not diamonds. John Wesley believed and taught that we can live in a way where we are focused on bringing our desires, our actions, our words, and even our possessions under the loving direction of God. As Methodists, we believe that we can be made perfect in love in this life. We don't believe that we will be perfect, but instead that we will, that we will grow closer to God to love God, and to love ourselves and others the way that God loves us. But if you look around, not only this church, but other churches, if you look beyond the church, you'll see that collectively, we aren't mature yet. And I need to admit something to you. This frustrates me about the church. Paul wrote this letter 2,000 years ago, and we still haven't figured out how to consistently move toward maturity. But then I remember that going from immaturity to maturity is a nonlinear, circuitous, frustrating, messy process. As an organization, the church is in the process of maturing. When most of us were growing up, think about it, we had regressions. As students, we have experienced mind blocks with certain concepts. As workers and professionals, we have not mastered all the parts of our jobs. We are not flawless. 
But then if you add in the wooing power of ease and comfort and status, well then, here we are. But a few things help us move through our regressions, mind blocks, and shortcomings. The people around us who give us grace and have patience with us, they help us through, as well as us exercising our own choice to keep trying to mature. And sometimes that choice to mature is strongly encouraged by the influence of our parents, coaches, teachers, or bosses. But it's within this community that we are made aware of where we fall short. But it's also in our community that keeps us going. Janice, a few weeks ago, encouraged us to make our best mistakes. And Dalton and I, as your pastors, share that prayer. We pray that this church is a safe place for you to take risks, to mature in your faith, together. We take risks of telling the truth with love, of being open with our hurts and our joys, of wondering about the nature of God. We work together to build something bigger than all of us, this ministry, so that those who don't know the life-saving and transformational love of Jesus can know him in tangible ways. And let me add my voice to what Dalton and Janice have said, that though we may not get it right the first time, God is calling us to grow and to change and try new things such that we are able to help our neighbors hear and experience the good news of Jesus Christ. It is also our calling to help one another mature in our faith. And we mature in our faith by following the method. This is not my term. Bishop Sue thankfully reminded us of it recently as clergy, but it's why we're called Methodist. <laughs> And here's the method in no particular order. First, we worship God, both in the privacy of our own prayer closet and communally together like we are right now. We have to take time to bask in the beauty and love of God. Second, we read scripture. We read the Bible, both for familiarity of the, with the text, but also for it to Touch our souls, because the Holy Spirit can speak to us through the scriptures. We don't just admire the history and stories of the Bible. We let it transform us. Third, we join a group that will help us to mature. The people in this kind of group have both the love and the courage to ask us hard questions about our faith. They may ask us about who have you forgiven recently? Or how generous are you? Or do you trust God? And they will ask us, how is it with your soul? Fourth, we pray regularly and not just when life is hard. We spend time listening to God deep in our souls and we offer words of praise, thanksgiving, confession, and we offer up God our requests. 
And last, we let ourselves experience the mystery of the sacraments of communion and baptism. When you come to the table, think about the radical welcome that we have and who Jesus is and what his ministry means in our lives today. And when someone is baptized, remember the call that God has on your life and how we are all joined together in the body of Christ. But Paul is right. We all of us start as babies in Christ. We begin our life of faith needing simple words, needing to be comforted, needing to be nourished. We don't yet know how to digest the more complex and challenging parts of what following Jesus means. We aren't yet ready to give up our allegiance to the ways of being that we've learned for our whole lives. And that may be the reality for some of us who are here this morning. It was all you could do just to be in this room. You don't know yet if you can trust Jesus or the church or your pastors. You don't know if it's worth it to follow Jesus. And if that describes you, you are not the only one who feels this way. If this describes you, I encourage you, keep coming to worship. Just keep coming. Try a small group. Get involved serving in the church or even beyond the church. In a few weeks, Lent will begin as we prepare for Easter. During Lent, Think about what part of the method you might like to focus on and add that to your life. Now, there are others among us here who have filled ourselves on the welcome of this community, who have experienced the joy of the Lord, who are so familiar with this place and among the people that you call Decatur first, not just your church, but your home. There are some of us who have been drinking milk, too long, however. And God is asking you to take a step toward solid food. Now, all metaphors break down, and so here's where this one probably does. But maturity is about learning to meet our needs while we attend to the needs of our community. Babies are helpless and need others to survive. And over the course of their lives, they mature, we mature, such that eventually we're able to nurture others and ensure that those who are new receive what they need. If you have had the pleasure of community in this church, how can you use your experience to birth new opportunities for others to grow together here? And if you have experienced the majesty and presence of God in worship, how can you help others to experience the joy of worship through serving as a greeter, an usher, being a part of the brew crew, or to serve in one of the choirs or as a reader? And friends, it might not work out that first time you try something. You might not like that first group you decide to be a part of. You might try to make coffee um, in the hallway and it might be horrible. You might not know what to say when somebody walks in the building. And that's okay. 
Because going from immaturity to maturity is a nonlinear, circuitous, frustrating, messy process. Amen.